are listening to the Andy Zanka Youth Empowerment Program on KDNK Community Radio. This is Brain Garden, a monthly collaboration between ASIAP and my organization, Cangel's Connection. The mission of Brain Garden is to start conversations on topics that our youth are experiencing. Conversations create a dialogue for healing and offer resources for other community members in need. These students are opening their hearts and stories to help facilitate conversations in our community. I'm your host, Janelle Hildebrand, and I'm the founder of Cangel's Connection, Inc., also referred to as the Cangel Connection Foundation. I started Cangel's Connection in 2019 after my son, Kane passed away from an accidental drug overdose on June 20th of 2018 at 24 years old. Cangel's Connection mission is to be the hub of connecting resources to the people in need. I felt alone as a parent of a struggling young man, and I didn't have the resources for myself or for Kane. My website is C-A-I-N-E dot C-A-I-N-E G-E-L C-O-N-N-E-C-T-I-O-N dot org. And I have a list of resources that is continuously growing. I became connected with ASYEP through KDNK. And if you're a teen listening and would like to share your story and offer some resources, please contact Janelle Hildebrand at J-E-N-X-T-R-E-M-E-S-K-I at gmail.com. Stay tuned for the next 30 minutes to listen to one of our upcoming conversations. Hello and welcome. You are listening to The Brain Garden. I am your host, Janelle, and I have a special guest in the studio. Do you want to introduce yourself? My name is Ava Hillbrand. I'm a recently graduated senior from Glenwood Springs High School. Wonderful. Tell me a little bit more. Do you have siblings? Do you have pets? Um, Tell me about hobbies, things you like to do. Right. So um, I live all the way in Silt. And I have one sister. She's 23, just moved home, who actually works at the Carbondale Clay Center. And then um, it's just her and my parents are five cats, including a few adopted strays (laughs) and our uh, little dog who's a little paralyzed. (laughs) Uh Oh, how old's your dog? Oh, he's 14 now. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Still likes to run, though. That's amazing. (laughs) 14. Oh, my gosh. So tell me about some hobbies, things you like to do for fun. Well, I've always done um, the theater program with the Glenwood Springs High School, but now I have done a lot more climbing, hiking, backpacking, a lot of outdoor stuff primarily is what I'm into at the moment. I love being outside. I love being in nature. Uh, my husband's a big rock climber, so I get that world. Um, I'm not so good, but I'm there to support, and I boulder. I do bouldering. I love bouldering, too. Mm-hmm. I like both bouldering and sport climbing. Both are awesome. Mm-hmm. That's super cool. So theater, what part of the theater do you primarily, are you an actress, or do you go behind the scenes? Yeah, I like both acting and singing, and I've done the Aspen Music Festival Pals program a couple of years, and did the Bel Canto Choir for all through elementary and middle school. So singing has always been an equally important part of my life, I guess you would say. Oh, I hope you continue with that as you grow into adulthood. I plan to. It's just really a good relaxing way to like have a good emotional release all the time even if it's just singing in my room (laughs) that's wonderful 
That's exciting. That's yeah. something I didn't know about you. So thanks for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever played sports? Oh, yeah. I played sports all the way through childhood, um, mostly soccer, but basketball, soccer, softball, summer track programs, cross country, girls swim, lots of activities. But I did have to stop after freshman year because I got sick with chronic illness and just kind of wiped me out of sports. <laughs> it was too much. Mm-hmm. But that's where climbing and hiking has been such a good replacement for that because it's just a much more relaxed way to still get out. And I think it's perfect now. I think it's excellent. You're finding how to balance everything. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. You're well-rounded. You're going to be great. Oh, thank you. Um, so tell me a little bit. Let's talk about how you and I got connected. Well, mostly just in the scholarship search, I came upon the um, Kniegel connection. And I just kind of started doing research on what you guys were all about and how you guys were started. And I really felt connected with that. And just it's really clear how passionate you are about youth and just spreading awareness for addiction issues and mental health. I think that's super powerful and necessary. Yeah, it is necessary. So, yep. So my son's name was Cain. And then I came up with the foundation Cainjel because he's an angel and he did pass away. He was 24 when he passed from his overdose. And, um, and I just felt very strongly about creating conversations and dialogues. So the, the scholarship program we started two years ago, and I have a goal. Uh, it just keeps growing, and we're just going to be fundraising to pay it forward to help mm-hmm. others go into the mental health or medical field. That is really so, awesome. <laughs> so we're honored that you are one of our recipients for the scholarship, and we hope to follow honored. you. Honored. <laughs> we hope to follow you. That's the goal. So, that is awesome. Yeah. So thanks for taking some time to spend with us here on air with the Brain Garden. And um, let's talk a little bit about your essay. Do you feel comfortable reading that? Yeah, I do. Okay. So my mom grew up in an environment where it was relatively normal to drink. My grandparents were young when they married and had kids, as many did in the 60s. But my grandpa's youthful drinking and bar hopping persisted well into parenthood, which really wore on my grandma and their relationship in general. But as his granddaughter, I know a completely different side of my grandfather than my mom did growing up, because mostly what I've always seen is just a sarcastic, creative, funny person who I've always looked up to and really appreciate in a lot of ways. But alcoholism is something that really drove wedges through my grandparents' marriage, and the effects of that addiction had a significant impact on my mom's childhood and her uh, siblings as well. My mom has two brothers, one older brother and one younger, and now my mom's youngest brother is a pretty severe non-functioning alcoholic, and it has frankly prevented me from ever forming a relationship with him, something that's really heartbreaking to both me and my mom. And as a kid, it's easy to take for granted having a stable home life and having parents who are invested in loving, who make an effort to raise you with a healthy relationship towards drugs and alcohol. But as I've grown older, I'm increasingly thankful for the way my parents chose to approach discussions about substance abuse. I remember when my grandparents were newly retired, finally ready to focus on free time and family, and then they were thrust into the role of raising their great-nephew. My grandfather's niece had increasingly severe drug and alcohol addiction issues until it was clear she could no longer take care of her kids. So my grandparents willingly became parents again to a 10-year-old boy, even after my parents discussed taking him in and raising him with me and my sister. And this is probably my first memory of actually recognizing the impacts of addiction. Addiction, whether to drugs or alcohol, doesn't simply impact the person picking up the bottle. It changes families, severs relationships, 
and has the potential to take away lives in more than one way. Even if it doesn't kill you, it can end your life, because really, life is defined by the relationships you foster and your ability to grow as a person. Addiction impacted my grandmother and her marriage, my mom, her siblings, and addiction determined the pathway for my young cousin now, who couldn't be raised by his mother, and spent a good portion of his childhood without a home. Addiction changed the course of another one of my cousin's lives after she, after she became a heroin addict, and alcohol cost another cousin of mine her job and her relationships. Alcoholism, in particular, is an endemic in my family, but because I have seen the impacts of addiction on so many people in my life, I feel more determined to pursue a career in the health field. I particularly find myself fascinated by neuroscience and psychology because it's so related to treating and understanding addiction. I've always been interested in the human body ever since I was very young and originally decided I'd pursue a career as a coroner, though, since I have started to explore other branches of medicine that apply more directly to the living. The more I learn about neuroscience, the more I see how impactful knowledge of, the, of brain science can be in changing the world around me in the worlds of mental health, addiction, and education specifically. That is, it's just beautiful. That was beautifully written and, and read. Thank you. Um, and I think there's no doubt in my mind that wherever you land in the field of study that you're going in, you will impact somebody somehow. Um, and, and I had to deal with a coroner, and she was amazing and lovely and handling everything from the, the time of, of death to following up on toxicology reports and, and all of that. So don't discount that as a job, because it's, and it might be a really hard job because you're dealing with a lot of grief. But I feel like no matter where you land, you're going to be spectacular, Ava. Well, thank and, you. And I appreciate that you want to pursue that because I think the world needs people to want to help people. Um, we just, everyone's suffering with something or dealing with something. Exactly. And together we can make solutions. So, so thank you for that. I agree. And thanks for sharing that. Do you want to speak more, um, do you want to speak to anything personally on um, how, what that, how that affected you while you're trying to manage your own life and how you're observing all this stuff going around the family and what they're struggling with. Um, it sounds like your parents were super open-minded and having conversations and not really putting a judgmental thing. Was that your experience? Yeah, I would say so. They were never um, hiding from us that it was a problem or that certain people in our family had an issue with it. Um, but I think they definitely managed it in a way where it also wasn't something that we just were starting to consider a normal part of family life. I think they tried to approach it in a way of, well, this is something that has happened to members of our family, but here's how we can talk about it and avoid it and help those people. So I think that's always been... That's a hard thing to do. Very, yeah. Because there's a lot of shame attached with that. Right. Where you would be like, let's just kind of tuck that away and and not talk about it. Mm -hmm. So I feel like your parents are exceptional just by saying and accepting it. Mm -hmm. And I don't I don't even know if they or if we as kids realized that they were doing that. I think we just thought they were talking about it as naturally as it came to them, but I think my mom's childhood really instead of it changing her for the worse and affecting her in a negative way, I think she took it into here's how I can avoid that in future life and I think that she just kind of naturally put that on my sister and I. So I think she really is an amazing person. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because what 
her accepting it and owning it and saying, okay, this is what's happening. Um, it's not putting a judgment to say, you know, how some people can say really sharp things that are maybe not even an intentional um, label, but people do say some things that can be really hurtful. So for your mom to kind of twist that around to say, this is what's happening. This is what we can do with that. Yeah. And then to take in, you know, a family member over that and support is is just loving and, and caring. And that's going to you'll carry that on and pay that forward. Yeah. Too. She's always been a very empathetic person. And so even in negative situations where there could be a lot of resentment or shame, I think she's always done a good job of showing my sister and I how to be more just empathetic in a situation instead of judgmental. So... Have you had a circumstance where somebody had said something judgmental to you and you had to kind of like twist it around and make that a positive? Specifically related to my family or addiction, I luckily haven't had anyone say something that felt too judgmental about it, especially maybe in this new generation, there's been more education about it and people are generally more understanding. But um, I mean, in other aspects of life, definitely. And I think that his, that, uh, lesson of empathy has carried over greatly into a, many different scenarios of life outside of addiction or mental health or family just in daily life right how you react right or how you respond to that mm-hmm. because that mm-hmm. is just something that will go on forever and there's always going to be a person that kind of throws a curveball i say mm-hmm. right and then taking those tools that your mom had passed on is going to be really beneficial for for how you react to stressful or definitely for situations that are uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So that's kudos moms and dads yeah. out there talking and opening up conversations at home, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, so we got connected through my foundation, Kangel, who we are connected with Andy Zanka Youth Empowerment. So it's just really cool how the spider web is being weaved here. So let's talk about some obstacles that you're overcoming or handling. And then um, with that obstacle, follow it up with a strength. Okay. Well, um, I think one specific obstacle that I've always just been facing even since I was young is um, just trying to better understand where people are coming from. Because as a child, I really didn't have very good social skills. I had like a really hard time reading people and trying to interpret their emotions, not just being impulsive with other kids. Um, And so I was a very emotionally impulsive kid, meaning I had all these really strong emotions that I just didn't know what to do with. Um, And so I didn't know how to express my own emotions effectively or interpret other people's. But one thing my mom would always say to me was to try and walk in someone else's shoes. But she didn't really say it trivially. I think that can be interpreted a lot of the time as just kind of like a common saying. Um, But she was always really good about uh, actually explaining what she meant So she really taught me empathy and showed me what it means to use all those pent-up emotions in a more positive way instead of them coming out as anger or frustration or impulsive decisions. And a lot of the time, um, that frustration was just anger or sadness and were emotions more directed at frustrations with myself rather than other people, which I think carries over into so many different situations of life and just being able to recognize your own emotions and other people's helps you stay calm. And then it's just has made me realize progressively over the years that understanding other people is an obstacle, but 
that I just have to be a lot more open to accepting people and situations for what they are because it's been really freeing to start searching for things to love in all the people around you rather than things that might frustrate or annoy you or me personally. <laughs> and I, it's not to say I don't get annoyed still because I really do, but um, teaching myself how to open up and be comfortable with vulnerability is a big part for me of developing social skills and that emotional intelligence and it's not something that has come particularly naturally but um, the reason I'm speaking about all of this is because I feel that now I'm learning to become much more patient and empathetic with myself and other people because it's just really vital to actually being happy for me and not just focusing on all of the small pessimistic details that my brain naturally wants to go to <laughs> um, and I think being happier and having a more positive attitude towards that kind of stuff just keeps me in a good headspace and keeps me focused in the sense that I'm always looking for things to appreciate rather than just feeling frustrated by things that maybe aren't going right or it's easy to feel like life isn't going well or so many things are just coming at you and you don't know how to handle them but I think that just little moments of um, positivity and there's um a girl that I really like on the internet. I just follow her Instagram page, but she really focuses on little daily moments of uh, like magic. She calls them where you're just looking for little tiny things every day that are maybe really beautiful or easy to appreciate or just make you emotional and give you that chance to calm down and really connect with yourself. And I think that is a really important little practice for me to actually stay happy and not be frustrated. <laughs> So I call that gratitude. Right. Yeah. So you would say, like, I'm going to have daily gratitude. Mm -hmm. And because there's all the stuff coming at you that feels uncomfortable or feels emotional or, or negative. But then when you focus on the gratitude, you're focusing and shifting it to the positive. So exactly. That is something every human being mm -hmm. alive, every emotional creature works on. And you're jumping way early in the game. <laughs> I think I started this probably, I would say I really started hitting gratitude in the last five years or so. So you're jumping in on the game and you can share that with other people. But I that is so, so important. <laughs> gratitude and mindfulness, like being in the mm -hmm. moment. Oh, not yeah, totally. Yesterday's gone. Tomorrow's not here. We're right here right now. Um, and when things, when the going gets tough, like when you're at school too, you might feel overwhelmed and like, uh -huh. okay, I have all these deadlines and I have these pressures, but then you can say, look at this opportunity that I have, or, yeah. you know, and so keep doing that. Somebody told me that your brain doesn't know truth from fiction, right? It doesn't know it. So if you just feed it, no matter how you're feeling, say it's a great day because I'm alive and I'm able to read and I have this body that I can do these things. No matter what, it will lead to a more positive and, mm -hmm. and, and lead to that gratitude. Yeah, so. that, that reminds me of one of my friends who um, I go hiking with him a lot and climbing and that kind of thing. And I think we I'm always cold, especially if I'm like out rafting and I'm always wet and cold and I never know how to fix that problem and I think one time he was just like if you look up at the sun and you let it hit your face it'll trick your body into thinking that your whole body's warm and it's just gonna feel amazing and that like that's something that I do regularly now even if I'm just like emotionally having a bad day or emotionally cold if I like go outside sit in the sun let it 
hit my face. I'm like, it's okay. My whole body's warm. I feel good. Just like tricking my brain into thinking that I'm, right. I'm all good again. <laughs> it's, you're just telling, you're feeding your brain full mm-hmm. of that. But that was brilliant. And that's, <laughs> those are good friends to be around. <laughs> you yes. Keep those friends in your life. I agree. Um, but that is so true. And it's true for, that's a great message for anyone that's tuning in and listening today. It's a great message to just keep reminding yourself to open your eyes and feel and listen and, and hear and, and taste and all those wonderful senses that we Mm -hmm. have and then have gratitude that we can do those things. Right. Yeah. So Ava, I want you to, to tell me a message that you have for those that are listening to our show today and, and give them a message about what they should do in difficult situations. I would say, um, just be vulnerable with other people, with yourself, because vulnerability is something we don't, I don't think give a lot of attention to. Um, but it's really important to actually, I think, recognizing your own emotions and being able to actually process things, especially things like grief and bad times. And I think that no matter who you're vulnerable with, even if it's teachers or friends or parents or just kind of opening up to yourself and having a personal way to process whatever's going on is really impactful because it just gives you time and the allowance to actually process positive and negative emotions. Being vulnerable. It's a thought I haven't really put much effort into, but I think it's a stage I've lived in for a while. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, And as I was telling you when we met today is some of our most significant growth happens when we're uncomfortable and mm-hmm. when we're vulnerable. So yeah, thank you for that message. Well, That's and I think important. like for most people, vulnerability does just happen after you have something that forces you into it. Um, So I'm trying to focus on letting myself be vulnerable before that stage, before I have a reason to be, because you don't really need a reason to just be open and be vulnerable, because I think life's a lot more enjoyable when you're just honest with the people around you. Right. Yeah. I think so, too. And just being open to it and not close yourself Mm -hmm. off from it. Mm, You are a smart one. (laughs) Um, And then let's touch base on taking that message, but then that goes to... Um, a resource. Tell me about the resource that you want to bring today. Well, I think Youth Zone is just a really valuable resource for any youth, whether or not they have addiction issues or mental health or home issues or trauma, or if you're just a normal teenager who feels like you need someone to talk to, they're also there because they don't turn anyone away and they work with everybody. And there just is always someone there to go to and help you no matter what you're going through even if you're not going through something big if you just have normal struggles and normal life they're great you so i have used youth zone with my son kane um, but i used it as well with my husband as parents so they have resources for everybody which i think is really cool and we're so thankful to have them in our community so mm-hmm. Kangel will spotlight the you know youth zone on the website and We'll share the love and share that resource for others. Too. Awesome. There's no shame and no and and reaching out when you need when you're feeling a little vulnerable mm-hmm. either to get some tools. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And then to summarize all of this, I want to know what your top three goals are in the next five years. All right. Um, I think one of my first goals is to just stress less. And spend more time appreciating those minuscule moments of good, even if it's just drinking my morning coffee. So I'm not overwhelmed by stress and I can actually focus more on like, what are the small things that are still good, even if the rest of my day is looking pretty bleak. (laughs) And um, 
the second goal of mine in five years is just to be able to look back and note definitive ways that I have grown and not necessarily academically or in a specific way that's you're able to define with grades or something like that. But I, I've noticed that uh, we often don't know in what ways we need to grow until we have an experience or an encounter that really opens our eyes to something. So I hope I can look back and feel like I've become more patient or empathetic or accepting or wherever my life <laughs> leads me. And so the third goal, I think, is that I just want to focus on being curious instead of judgmental. Because there's a lot of people that you meet every day, whether it's like the person who cuts you off in traffic on the highway or somebody who leaves their shopping cart in the middle of a parking space or treats a waiter poorly at a restaurant. And it's really easy for me personally to get a little bit angry at people like that sometimes. <laughs> but it's it's easy to make the quick and shallow judgment that they just are a bad person overall. But in reality, you don't really know why someone has made the choices they've made today. And sometimes taking a second to learn more about people or just accept that maybe you'll never know why they made that choice can go a long way. So sometimes I have a hard time not judging because it's just kind of a natural instinct, but it really gets me nowhere, whereas curiosity can teach me a lot more. So Curiosity is good. Um, and I'll, I'll just follow up on that. Because I think we all have similar irritations, but instead of judging it, just say, what you can do is be an example. I'm just going right. to take the card in. Exactly. And then other people see that. Or you can just say, you know, maybe they're just doing, if somebody's doing something that triggers an emotion within mm -hmm. yourself, mm -hmm. because they don't have the power over you, really, you can say, you know what, there's something to be learned from this. I'm not sure why that's triggering it, but today this will be a lesson and people are just doing the best they can. Yep, exactly. So that is a wrap. And I want to thank you listeners for tuning in to the Brain Garden. I want to thank Andy Zanka Youth Empowerment and Katie and Kay for the platform for this. And I want to thank you, Ava, for coming in, opening up your, your stories, your life, and having a conversation with me today. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. If uh, listeners, if you like what you hear, tune in the fourth Wednesday of every month at 4 p.m. to hear the Brain Garden.